faith in the real world. Because we can't just go off by ourselves and live in a desert cave or, or abandon culture altogether. We have to, to live in the culture that we're in, and we have to represent God in our culture where we're at as well. So let's turn to Jan, Daniel chapter 3 and see how the people of God lived that way thousands of years before Jesus was born, or a hundred years, or hundreds of years, I'm sorry, before Jesus was born. I love the Old Testament. There's a great deal of faith that's revealed in the Old Testament, patience faith in spite of persecution and spite of troubles. Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he'd set up. So the tra satraps, prefects, governors, and advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled before, before the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do. O peoples, nations of men and of every language, as soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, heart, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the music of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of God the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At the same time, astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, the lyre, harp, pipes, all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing fire. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you've set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the burning furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? And they replied, certainly, O king. 
said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing first and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire did not harm their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. And then God promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray together before we go any further. Father, we thank you for the testimony of these men. We thank you also for awakening King Nebuchadnezzar to who you really are. You are the one true living God. You are the one God, the creator God, the only God. And there is no other. And we come before you this morning humbly to worship you. Thank you that... These men lived for you. They were willing to risk their very lives for you. They were willing to take a stand for you, even though it would cost them their lives. They were willing to, to do that because they loved you and they knew that you loved them. And they knew that you were with them. No matter where they were at, you were with them. They, were, they belonged to you and you stood by them as well and rescued them. Father, we pray today that we would be your people in a hostile culture, a culture that doesn't like the people of God, or what we believe. They don't like you, and we want to be able to stand firm, not in arrogance, but humbly and boldly be your people and see others of, of our people come to saving faith in you. That's what we want, Father. We want to see you work through us to bring others into your kingdom. So, Father, we just pray for you to help us, Lord. Help us to always realize you're with us, that we need to just stand firm where we are with you, and let it let life take its course. Father, thank you that in all things you love us. We, we appreciate that and we are very grateful, Father. I pray for you to guide and direct my thoughts and my mouth today that I might honor you. And that um, that maybe someone here today would come to saving faith. That maybe someone here would make a decision, even in their very heart, just between the two of you, that they would follow you more and more, more closely. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You know, as believers in God, we believe that God has a plan for our lives. Isn't that true? Yeah, amen. God has a plan for our lives. We believe that's why we're created, because he has a purpose for us. And we believe he has a way he wants us to live. And that way is very simple. It's very simple. We're supposed to live for God. Whether you're 18, 16, 18, or 80, 80, it doesn't matter. We're supposed to live our life day by day for God. It's that simple. And I and understanding that's the easy part, right? You know, realize, say, yeah, that's true, Pastor. That's true, Gary. It's the doing that's hard, isn't it? It's hard to, to stand firm in your faith in the culture we live in today. It's the following up, the follow through where we struggle the most. I understand that. And the reason why is also simple. It's, it's hard. It's not easy living for God today, is it? When the culture is slowly turning away 
from Christianity. We could isolate ourselves, I guess. That's always an option. We could do that, go live in the woods somewhere. But if you were read, if you read the Bible, if you read the Bible all the way through, you're going to see that the people of God didn't live isolated lives. Almost all of them lived for God in the culture they were in, whether that was a small town, a big city, or wherever, the mountains, the desert, wherever, they lived for God in the culture they were in. Many of them lived in very difficult circumstances. Read your Bible and you'll see that. But they all tried to live in accordance to their faith in God. That's the legacy we have to live up to as well. That those believers before us, they left a legacy of faith that, that hey, says, hey, today it says to us, stand up for God. Be a person of God. Be a person of faith. Don't be ashamed. Last week from Daniel chapter 1, we learned that Daniel had to make a decision to live for God in his life. He had, to, had a decision that he had, to, that he had to face up to, and he, and he had to make that decision quick. That even though the Babylonian culture wanted him to live a totally different way, he had to live a different way. He couldn't live the way the culture wanted him to live. He had to live his life the way God told him to live. It makes us different, friends. It really does. This thing we call this relationship with God. We're, we're different. In Daniel chapter 3, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were also confronted with the very same choice, to live for God or to go with the culture. This choice, to live with God or to go with the culture, will always confront God's people. It doesn't matter what generation we're in. We're always going to be confronted with this choice. The world's always going to want us to choose. Are we going to live with God, live for Him, or are we going to follow the culture around us? I'm sorry that the outline on the back of your bulletin is not very dark this week. I'll try to do better next week, make it darker uh, we need to understand our, our points this morning. I think this is very important. Point number one on your outline, our faith in God will be tested. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Just say amen for me, please. All right, that way I know you didn't fall asleep. I was a little bit worried there. <laughs> our faith in God will be tested. You can write that down. You can, you can, you can highlight that. It's going to happen. Something is going to test our faith in God. It might not seem right having to be tested over and over and over. We might think, well, I passed this test. Why can't I just not have to keep going through these things? But life doesn't stop just because we don't like something that happens or something that life brings. Just because we don't like these things, it's still going to keep coming. It doesn't mean life is going to just stop for us. Life is relentless, isn't it? Sometimes life can be very relentless. You lose a loved one. You lose a family member. You lose friends. You lose a job, and you have to start over. And, and life is relentless. There's today, and then there's tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow, and life just goes on and on and on. Each day has its own unique challenges. So, so does the test of our faith in God. Any culture, any culture that operates in opposition to God will see to it that we're tested. And this was true for Daniel's friends living in the Babylonian culture 2,500 years ago. King Nebuchadnezzar, he, was, he ruled in a vast empire, Persia and other nations. He had people brought into his main city, Babylon, and he, he, whatever he wanted, it happened. That was because he was in charge. He was the king. He built this massive monument to himself, and it was made out of gold. The Bible says it was 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide at the base. Can you imagine that? Do you know how tall the Statue of Liberty is? 
It's just a little bit over 300 feet. So it's one-third the height of the Statue of Liberty. That's a big, big piece of work, isn't it? That's a massive piece of work. By the way, many rulers in the ancient world, many pagan rulers would often build massive monuments to themselves so that their names would never be forgotten. The pyramids in Egypt, those are massive monuments to the, to the pharaoh that built them. The, the Sphinx, the, the Parthenon in Greece, in Athens, Greece, was built not only to honor their gods, their false gods, their pagan gods, but also to remember, to remind people how great the Greeks were, that they could do that. So the idea is people's uh, ego's got to be stroked. Isn't that true? Build these massive things. God never wanted anything like that, did he? No, he said opposite. He said, never build a mon, never build any image to me. Build altars and make them simple and worship me on, uh, with these altars by an offering, but don't make some sort of man-made uh, object. So one day, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had their faith in God tested in a very big way. And it all revolves around this massive 90-foot-tall monument. Look at verse 8. At the same time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You've issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of God. And that whoever does not fall down will worship will be thrown into a blazing fire. But there are some Jews whom you've said over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to your king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of the gold which you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar said everyone, everyone had to bow down before his image of gold. Everyone had to bow down and worship at that image. And if anyone refused to bow down, they would be thrown in that blazing hot furnace. And most of the folks there, what did they do? They bowed down, didn't they? They bowed down. They went with the culture. After all, most of them were Babylonians, or they were at least incorporated into the Babylonian culture enough that it didn't really matter. It was all part of the culture to them. It didn't matter to them, so they just did it. But not Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to do that. They took a public stand. They were living in the Babylonian culture, but they were God's people. They paid no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you set up. And here we are, you and I, and many others, we're not alone in this. Here we are, God's people, living in America in the 21st century, and our culture no longer tolerates the Christian faith. No longer accepts what we believe. We're going to be tested. It's just a matter of time. It's going to happen. Some tests will come. But God has a purpose for these tests. These tests are not wasted with God. God will use these tests for a purpose for us. In James chapter 1, verse 2 to 4, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. God will not waste the tests that we go through in our lives because he wants to mature us. He wants to grow us. So when we're going through difficult things that test our faith, think of God right there saying, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stay faithful. Don't give up. Don't quit. Hang with me because I'm going to make you stronger through this. You're not going to weaken. You're going to grow stronger. 
God is always working on his people. He is always working on us. It's not always fun either. You know, I used to be a welder when I got out of high school. I'd gone to Votech and became a welder, and I welded for a couple of years. And that's tough work, man. I didn't stay in there very long. A couple of years about all I wanted to do. And I've never gone back. It's hard work, and God's like that. He's like that man who works on metal, a blacksmith. He, he works on us. He wants to make us better than we are. He wants to make our faith stronger and stronger. He wants to bring us closer to him as we wait for him to bring us into his presence. So we have to follow him. That's our test. That's the test every Christian has always faced. And we need, to, we need to understand something else, something that I think is very important. Important. Point number two in your outline, our faith in God is going to anger people. Our faith in God will anger people. Look at verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I've set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, Heart pipes and all kinds of music. If you're ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? You know, I read this. I read what Nebuchadnezzar says there, and I think you're an arrogant fool. You might be the most powerful man in existence, but you are an arrogant fool. And isn't it something? Nebuchadnezzar had just rewarded these men before in chapter 1 because they proved themselves useful to him. They served him in his empire. They were his servants. That wasn't enough. He wanted all of them. He wanted their heart and their soul. This is the crux of the problem because of our faith in God and the culture's demand that we follow it. The culture will always demand everything. You realize that? It wants, the culture wants, Satan wants your heart and soul. But guess what? So does God, doesn't he? He wants our all too. He wants everything. And and, and being useful or productive or honest doesn't matter to our culture. That doesn't matter. What matters to the culture is that we join the culture in the war against God. Because if we're not following God, we're at war with God. We're going in the wrong direction. We're going in the wrong way. Look at the way Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responded to the king's threat. I think this is incredible. Look at verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, we will not serve your gods. Or worship the image of gold you've set up. Man, when Nebuchadnezzar told them, I'm going to burn you alive, you don't do what I say, they replied, God can save us. God will save us. He's with us, even from you, King. God will save us. And if He should decide not to save us, we're still going to obey God. Now, friends, that's what faith looks like. If you want to know what faith looks like, if you want to know what faith looks like when the rubber hits the road, you just saw it right there. Those three guys said, even if God decides he's not going to save me, I'm still going to follow him. Because then he's going to take me into his presence. 
Peter and the apostles, the other apostles as well, made the religious leaders in their day angry at them too. Very angry. In Acts chapter 5, verse 30, the God of our fathers raised Jesus. This is Peter talking to them. Raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, when the Jews heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. We are always going to make people mad at us. Our faith is going to do that. It's going to make people mad. Don't get mad at them because they're mad at you, right? Yeah. Keep your eyes on God. Keep looking for God in that situation. He's testing you. Don't get mad at them. Expect people to get mad. Reality we need to understand about here in America when it comes to our faith is point number three. Our faith in God will cause people to lash out at us. Not only will they get mad, they will lash out at us. Verse 19, verse 19 says at the beginning, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. In the Hebrew language, this phrase means that Nebuchadnezzar's face literally changed in an instant. His demeanor, his appearance, the appearance of his faith expressed this absolute rage at these godly men. In an instant, he turned on them, though they had been very loyal and useful to him. You know, this is the way rulers are. As the king of an empire, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't used to being told no. Matter of fact, no one ever told those kind of people no. He didn't like being told no. So when God's three men told him no, he became instantly furious. Isn't that something? You can expect that too. You can expect people to be angry at you. This happened before. In the book of Esther, in chapter 3, verse 5, we're told when Haman and Amalekite saw that Mordecai, a Jew, would not kneel down or pay him homage or honor, he was enraged. It means his face changed and he became a different person because of the anger that was welling up in him. This happens today in our culture, right? Yeah. What about that, that baker? The homosexual couple went to that baker and said, we want you to bake a wedding cake for us. And he said, no, I can't do that because my faith says I can't participate in these things. One thing is that marriage is a, is a holy union and I can't be part of that ceremony. So they sued him. They got angry and sued him. Or say that you believe a baby in the womb ought to have the same right to life that all the rest of us expect and see how angry people get. Because it's supposedly women's right to kill their children. That's something. That's sad. Happens all the time. Did you know that in the last several years, the VA across America, the VA would not allow Bibles or Christmas trees in their hospital lobbies and rooms? Did you know that? Huh, I didn't either until this last week. They also would not let kids give Christian Christmas cards to veterans or allow Christian symbols like crosses in their chapels either until July when the president changed the rules and, and allowed them to do that. So they should do that. And now they're doing it. Now Bibles are being put into the, into the hospital rooms and VAs. And now there's going to be uh, Christmas trees. I know a lot of people don't think the Christmas tree is a symbol of the Christian faith, but for a lot of people in our culture it is. Man, when that, that, used, that used to be called censorship in America when they would not allow you to do and live out your beliefs. 
None of these things matter to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it shouldn't matter to us. Amen? No, we've got to stay faithful. Point number four, our faith in God will be affirmed. God will be with us. It will be affirmed. We'll go through the test and God will affirm it. Look at verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to, the, to his feet in amazement, and he asked his advisors, weren't the three men we tied up and threw in the fire? And they replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of God's. Nebuchadnezzar had thought that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would be vaporized the instant they were thrown into the blazing hot furnace. The soldiers who threw them in there were killed by the heat of that furnace as they threw them in. And remember, it was, it was seven times hotter than it had ever been before. So he thought they would go in there and just be totally vaporized and instant. So he wasn't prepared for what happened next. Look at, look at verse 25 again. He says, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unarmed. Unharmed, I'm sorry. Those three men were walking around in that fire. They hadn't been vaporized. They were free in one of the worst places on earth. And that's something. But that's not all. Someone else was in there with them. Nebuchadnezzar says in verse 25, the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Now he says it that way because he's a pagan. And he doesn't understand God. He only understands his own pagan religious beliefs. So he thought of gods. He was a polytheistic person. He thought there were multiple gods. Who was this fourth man? It could have been an angel sent by God because God often sends angels to rescue his people, protect his people, comfort his people. It could have been Jesus, the Son of God. And the point is this. They weren't alone. God was with them in that furnace. He made sure that they were comforted, that they, were, that they knew that he would take care of them. He affirmed their faith. And God will be with you and I in the midst of the difficult circumstances of our lives. When the culture attacks us for standing up for what we believe or just living out what we believe, God will be right there with us every step of the way because God promised to be with us. He promised so. Listen to what God told Moses when he told Moses, go back to Egypt and lead my people out of slavery. Deliver them from slavery. In Exodus 3, verse 11, Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, what? I will be with you. That's something to memorize. God said, I'll be with you. When you're going through something difficult, really difficult, God said, I'll be with you. When people say, you know, you're stupid for believing in, in, in God and the Bible and Jesus, in your mind say, God said, I'll be with you. And never forget that. And our last, last point, number five, our faith in God during difficult circumstances of life will be rewarded. We talked about being rewarded last week. I introduced that idea last week. Being rewarded, man, that's a great idea, isn't it? That's a great concept. That God will not only take care of us and provide for us and see us through something, he will reward us for our faithfulness. Rewarding is getting something extra, something better, something greater, something added on. And Nebuchadnezzar recognized this. Look at verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command 
and were give, willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. He recognized that God was rewarding them by rescuing them, by being with them in the fire. Where their clothes weren't burned off, but their bonds were. Did you catch that? Yeah. Where they didn't even have the, a, a tinge of burn marks on their clothes or the smell of smoke. And we like to have a fire in the fall in our backyard. I think a lot of people like to do that. But I get smoke smell all over me. I mean, it doesn't matter where I stand around that fire, the smoke just follows me wherever I go. And I walk in the house and I smell like a smoke. I mean, but these guys didn't. They walked around in that fiery furnace and they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. Their faith led them to risk their lives for God and God saved them. By the way, that impacted Nebuchadnezzar in a big way. Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan, publicly praised God, the one true living God, for rescuing his servants. Think about that. Think about how your faith lived out can lead other people to praise God too. We need to think about something else too. Daniel and his three friends, these three guys, weren't the only Jews living in Babylon at this time. There were many others. But Daniel and his friends were willing to trust God in a very public way. They weren't afraid of what the culture or the king would do to them. They were concerned about being faithful to God, even if it cost them their lives. And by doing that, they impacted the king and the culture as well around them. Look at verse 29. Therefore, the king says, I decree the people of any nation or language or should say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. And their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can say that they changed their culture that they lived in simply by being faithful to God, by being willing to risk it all. And if that wasn't enough, what does the king do? But he promotes them again. Verse 30, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is just another reward. His rewards just keep piling up. Not only does he affirm them and take care of them in the fiery furnace, not only does he go in there with them, but he uses them to change that very, very pagan culture. And they also get a promotion in their jobs. Jesus once said something about our desire for things that, that don't have eternal significance. That's what our culture is caught up in right now. Our culture, people around us desire things that have no real eternal significance whatsoever. Cars and trucks, houses, games, entertainment, all kinds of different things. And people are willing to give themselves to those things that have no eternal consequence and ignore God who is eternal. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, Jesus said, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he's done. Someday, Jesus is going to come back, and everything's going to stop. The entire world is going to come to a, to a screeching halt. Because when Jesus comes back, everybody's going to watch. Everybody's going to pay attention. And everything will change. And he's going to reward each person for what we've done, for or not for God. So if you haven't done anything for God, if you've never lived for God, 
never had faith in Christ, you'll be rewarded for that. You know what the reward is? To be cast out of the presence of God forever. To never have hope of, of knowing heaven ever again. There is some things we have to be willing to take a stand for. There are some things we must be willing to risk everything for because it's eternal, right? Amen? Yeah. We must stay faithful to God even in the difficult circumstances of life. Jesus is calling us to accept this challenge, to accept Him as our Savior and Lord. He's calling us to follow Him in this world. Will you accept that challenge? That's your test. Will you give Him your life? As we get ready to sing, let's stand and pray, and let's ask God to speak to us about our own walk with Him. Wherever we're at, maybe you've never given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. Today, I would encourage you to do that. Maybe today you realize, you know, I need to get going again. I need to get this thing moving. I, I need to start growing closer to God so I can be stronger. You know, I would encourage you to rededicate your life. You can come forward and do that, and I'd be glad to help you. Well, let's pray and ask God just to speak to us as we sing this last song. Father, thank you for your son, your spirit. Thank you for constantly reaching out to, to us and to others around us, Lord. Help us, Father, to hear your voice. Help us to, to follow you. Help us to surrender to your leading, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.